Welcome to Just Us, a podcast about racial reconciliation and justice. And today we have a special guest, John Anthony, who works at Alaska Airlines and is going to talk to us about racial reconciliation and justice in the workplace. We have a scripture that's a motto for our podcast. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Make room for us in your hearts. And we hope that this whole experience will open hearts so that we make room for each other. And please subscribe to our Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. And if you like to watch, we're also on YouTube. So please give us a five-star rating and have a happy Black History Month. Enjoy the podcast. Today we want to welcome John Anthony here um, as our guest. And he uh, works in IT in Alaska Airlines. And um, John Anthony, where do, where, do, where do you come from as far as your, your where, where do you come from originally? Well, originally um, I was born in Haiti. Okay. And, but raised here in the United States. Okay. Um, I've been here since babyhood. Okay. I'm um, an East Coaster, and yeah, now I'm over on the West Coast. Okay. And what what would you say? What would you say to kind of summarize as a, a person of color your experience in corporate America? What are some just general observations you would have about that? Um, you know, in corporate America, I think. Um, there are definitely glass ceilings for people of color. And I say that for BIPOC, black, indigenous, any people of color. Um, I recall when I first started working, I left college, I got a computer engineering degree. Mm-hmm. And when in my first job, um, not where I'm at currently, uh, during that time, I got hired, I started with the team, and one of the first things someone told me was, you know, you're here just because you're black and we needed to hire somebody black. And, you know, I just spent years getting a computer engineering degree and I was not going to accept that. And from then on, I always proved I was always one of the smartest people in the room. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, it's slowly changing, um, but that's for more conversations. Did... Hearing that, that seems like that would that would add more pressure because it it was basically creating a scenario where you had to you had to prove something beyond the fact that you came qualified, but it's almost like you had to prove more. That had to be hard. It definitely is. Um, uh, quite often, you'll you'll hear that um, parents will teach their kids any people any child of color. Um, and even girls say, you need to work twice as hard to get half as far. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is something common that we're, that we're told. And we really don't think about it. We try to, even today, we try to say that's not true. Mm-hmm. But it really is because to, to be average mm-hmm. for most people, we really have to work that much harder to prove that what we're seeing can override the perceptions and the bias that someone has of unintelligence. You know, way back when, um, I believe it was Frederick Douglass, one of the most photographed people during his time. And the reason that he was photographed so much was was so that he could simply pass out his picture to change the perception of what a black man is. Right? He didn't didn't have the big lips and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But he needed to change that perception. And that's the same thing in corporate America is changing the perception mm-hmm. of what a person of color, what a black person is, um, and their thinking and their knowledge and their skill and even their leadership. Mm-hmm. It really makes a difference. Um, if you look in leadership, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of diversity mm-hmm. in the front lines or in the service industry. At the base level, there's a lot of diversity. But as you climb up the ladder, it thins out quite a bit to where it's almost non-existent in most companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, on a human level, um, so, so it sounds like that as you look to grow in your profession, there were hoops you had to jump through that maybe someone who looks like me might not have had to jump through the same hoops. 
you know, it's interesting you said that um, recently I've had several conversations with um, co-workers. Um, my current role, uh, I get exposure to a lot of our executives and a lot of our leaders. And several of them have repeated the same thing is, you know, as I was looking to move forward, I really wasn't really thinking about where I was at. I mean, I've had the education or the training, but I'm able to move forward. And they've gotten pretty high in the company. As for myself, um, as I, in my previous job, I was there for 25 years trying to move up into leadership. Um, I said, okay, I'm ready for leadership. I'm ready for management. What do I need to do? I'm told, hey, you know, if you go and take this leadership training class that we have, you'll be ready. I go and do the leadership training class. After that, it's, you know, you're not quite there. Maybe you need an MBA. Maybe you need to learn how to do business, do finance, accounting. I go and do an MBA. So now I have a computer engineering degree. I've done your leadership course, and I have an MBA. You're not quite there yet. It's how many hoops do I have to jump through? How many managers do I have to train to be my manager? Okay, so, um, so there's a... Definite dichotomy. There's a contrast there as to where um, someone who doesn't really need to try so hard, who does not look like me, maybe look like you, they can move up much faster, right? And are, and are given access um, to opportunities. And that's really the key there is access to the opportunities that not everyone else is given. Um, I, I listened to a podcast not too long ago that says, that says access is not necessarily opportunity as well, mm -hmm. right? Just because, I'm sorry, opportunity is not access. It's mm -hmm. the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, just because you bring me to the table doesn't mean that, one, I'm able to sit at the table very long. And if I'm able to sit at the table, how much support am I going to get, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we're thrust into those spaces, mm -hmm. but as politics play out, quickly kicked out and then it's and then it's the it's the thinking of you know i told you they couldn't do it they couldn't do it so let's get rid of him and bring in one of our own that we know and if that person fails it's well that person just couldn't do it let's just bring somebody else in it's and there's a difference of the hoops and everything else so that's that's kind of where that one flows mm -hmm. i like that you said that i too um am from Haiti, and I was raised here, and um, my mother, she says the same thing, you have to try extra, extra hard, and you always have that mindset. Now I'm coming into the mindset of, um, I'm here, I'm going to eat at the table, period, right? Mm -hmm. So I, there was a picture of, um, I don't know if you, everyone have seen this picture, or there was a picture of, a, like, you know, one of those dogs, like, Dogs that race, greyhounds, right? They were racing, and there was a cheetah inside the, um, the hut, and it didn't even move. And the, the caption says, there's no reason for me to prove anything, because a cheetah is always going to outrun these greyhounds. And that, that's one of the, my mindset as of now, like, yo, I'm a cheetah, you guys are greyhounds, so there's no reason for me to prove myself in certain situation. Mm -hmm. However, there's always, um, once you get comfortable with yourself, I feel like, or... More, more aware because you're a bright man, right? You know, like, oh, I, I could definitely smoke this person um, easily, or I, I could outdo this person easily. Um, as we get comfortable and um, more informed, I feel like that's the 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 persona some of us should have, right? Like, but the world in itself um, is so heavy that we do have to always prove ourselves. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, even though we're great at it, and it's just like we always have to prove ourselves. So my question with that statement is, why do you think that it's always that way? Because I'm pretty sure you tell your daughter, you tell your son, like, yo, you had to try extra, extra hard to get this far. Why in 2021 that we're still doing that? You know, you're right. I do tell my kids that quite often, right. and, I, and I do. And there's a perception out there, mm -hmm. right? There really is a perception, like I said before, of capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, right now, in my current role, um, I'm a senior test, test manager. 
So I do quality. I understand it. I understand how to put out a, a very good product. But it's taken a while for my team to, un, to believe and trust me. So now when I go there, they, can, they don't doubt me. They know I know what I'm talking about. But others that are around that don't work, that are not exposed, and that's the key, is exposure. Those that are not exposed right. to me and see how I work and see what I do, they still have a perception of, well, mm -hmm. I know, but let me check with someone else, <laughs> right? And I've had that happen. And that person comes back and go, you know, he's the SME. He's the subject matter, subject matter expert, right? I go to him. He doesn't come to me. Mm -hmm. And that changes that perception. Again, it's exposure. Mm -hmm. When, when President Obama was elected, I think a lot of white people said, okay, we used to have a problem with how we saw people, mm -hmm. but now we fixed that. This, this proves it. <laughs> you can't go higher than that. Um, how much, in your opinion, you know, because you, you have a, um, you know, you're sitting with three pastors. We have the, the window we see out of. In corporate America, how much has gotten better and how much is there still to, still to fix? And, and, and do you see an aspect where things are hardening in some, aspect, some aspects? I think in corporate America right now, um, one thing that I told some people that we were talking to were, uh, was, um, you know, the same people that are outside, in the church, in the world, they're the same people that are in corporate America. Right? Yeah. They're the same people. And what we're seeing outside, we see it inside the church, which really hurts my heart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And being in corporate America, I see it. And I feel there really should be a, a difference. Yeah. And those people are saying, hey, Obama reached there and et cetera, et cetera. And then I tell them, this is wonderful that you're saying that. Look up at your leadership. Look at your executive boards. Look at the C-suite. Look at the vice presidents, et cetera, et cetera. What does it look like there? And they look up, and it's fairly homogeneous. And that's kind of where we leave that. That conversation stops because, you know, what are you going to say? John Anthony, I have a question. Um, I'd like to know what kinds of things do whites do that may be well-meaning? People who would say, I'm not prejudiced, you know, and um, I welcome everyone and treat everyone equally. And yet, I'm sure that there are a lot of things that are insensitive and that hurt. And I'd like to know, what kinds of things do you find people doing that might even be well-meaning and yet that hurt? Um, we just had a training about this um, called those microaggressions, right? Things that people say that they sort of well-meaning, but has that little jab on there and it's caused by their biases, things like that. One of the biggest things, I think, um, is a misquote from Martin Luther King, and I may need some help on this one. Um, something along the lines of uh, judged by my character and not, yeah content right not the color of my skin and a lot of people bring that up to say we want we're colorblind we don't see color right i have black friends um but what what that really says um amongst other things is that you don't see me as a person you don't want to acknowledge my culture who i am um, you don't want to acknowledge other people. And basically, you're saying you don't like rice and beans, you don't want naan, you don't want all these cultural foods. All you want is cream of wheat. No salt, no sugar. That's all you get. Because you want everything to be the same. Right? You don't want to acknowledge all these wonderful flavors. The other thing, too, is um, as we work towards racial equity, there's quite a few people that will tell you, well, I just want to hire, we, just, we should hire the best. We should only hire 
the most qualified, as if putting someone of color on the docket to be given access mm -hmm. to that opportunity, not to get it, but given access to that opportunity equates to not qualified. Mm. You know, that's one of those little things um, that they say, but they're not really paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they are, I'm not sure. Mm. But since when does being a BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, equate to being unqualified when applying for a job? Mm. It's those little things, little things like that. So you told me about um, some steps that your company, the company you currently work for, mm -hmm. has done. Um, do you see, see, so it sounded like you see some, some good vision, good visionary thinking in, in the area of, of justice and, and things of that nature. Um, do you see that in other companies? Do you, what, what do you see happening in corporate America along this line? There are a lot of companies right now that jumped onto the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. right. Some of them are genuine. Some of them, it's a marketing ploy. Okay. Um, it's correct, politically correct. Yeah, it's politically correct. It's, it's really politically correct. This is, this is what we have to do to survive right now, but is it something that's ingrained? Yeah. Um, I've watched and I've read several um, statements that other companies have made. And during their statements, they say the right things and they put the right numbers on and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's a people thing. Right. If you don't change the mindset of the people in your company, if you don't change their heart, if you're not vested in the people and you're just vested mm -hmm. in just the number, you do need the metrics, you do need the numbers. Mm -hmm. But if you're... But those companies really, I just see numbers and statements, and they're not really looking at people. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, there's a lot of companies out there uh, that are saying the right things, and they're, some of them are standing behind it. They say, well, if you don't believe in this, if you don't believe in racial equity, don't buy my product, it's fine, mm -hmm. right? And others are saying, please look, I have this BLM banner on my website, mm -hmm. but what does their leadership look like? What does their retention look like? Are the people of color leaving by droves mm -hmm. and not coming back? Mm -hmm. right? And that diversity of thought we really need in our companies. Mm -hmm. We need them everywhere. Right. We need it everywhere. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, talking to Hans about training your children. Um, mm -hmm. Your daughter and my son are friends. They worked at camp together. Oh, absolutely. And I, yeah. before I had even met your daughter, I had heard her name, my son talking about his friend at camp, you know. How have you taught your children to, um, to understand this issue, to understand the world they're gonna have to live in? Mm -hmm. How have you trained them for that? I think our, this current generation is probably one of the more aware generations and probably so upset about what's happening. Initially, um, yeah. depending on where your kids grow up, they first start with, we don't have a racism issue. They really do. They start with that. And then as they get into high school and they start getting out of high school, they're like, wow, mm -hmm. we have an issue and we're not putting up with this. Mm -hmm. um, I've been talking to my kids for a long time about, about these things. Um, you know, a lot of people have heard the talk. You have a talk with your son about driving and my daughter about driving and what to do when they get pulled over. Um, we watched the, the movie 13 together, yeah. 13th. And this still bothers me up to, t up to today. Um, we're, we're sitting there and I have four children, three boys and a girl. And as we're watching it, the statistics comes up. Um, one out of every four black men will wind up in prison. One out of every four. And at the time, my 11-year-old is looking around. All of a sudden, he perks up. Wait a second. There's my dad. There's my older brother. There's me. And there's my little brother. Hmm. Which one of us four is it going to be? It's tough. You know, yeah. um, and... And I, and I make sure they learn and they understand these things because it's a reality. It's the world we live in. It's taken hundreds of years to get here. And as people become more and more aware 
as my children become more and more aware, they start seeing how insidious this thing, insidious in, this thing is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that's gonna take a while and they need to learn how to navigate and they need to learn how to survive mm -hmm. the system until their generation and the next generation can dismantle it. Right, mm -hmm. and, right? and I believe that's the key, um, dismantling the system, because the system is not working, it's only working for one group of people, right? And it's mm -hmm. not us, um, and it's not people of color. So if the system can be dismantled, um, then I feel like that's when change will act, real change will actually come, right? Um, everyone will have, uh, will, be, uh, well, will be treated equally. Um, everyone would have the same kind of rights, um, not on paper, but in a global scale of things. Amen. But here we are trying to dismantle something that the people in power don't even look like us, right? Yeah. It's, it's difficult, but yeah. You know the great thing about that, though, is there's there are, we have many allies now Correct. that are looking at something that are that have never been exposed to certain things. I've met children that have never seen black people in their lives before. Interesting. Never. Um, there's adults that I'm speaking to now that just recently came into that space, mm -hmm. but they are they're adamant and very unhappy with this injustice mm -hmm. and they are allies and they want to dismantle this. They want to do the big things, but it's right. so huge. Mm -hmm. They become discouraged and, it, but it's very much like, um, mm -hmm. like being a Christian, it's just reach one, right? Mm -hmm. Have the relationship, become, yeah. One, yeah, yeah, reach each one, teach one, yeah. teach one and then it cascades. And that is one of the things that I talk to them quite a bit about. You don't have to do the huge giant things. Mm -hmm. When the time comes and you have the opportunity, you'll be able to do that. You'll yeah. be able to vote. You'll be able to change a law. You'll be able to do this, do that. But for right now, yeah. just reach out to someone. Yeah. Have the conversation. Um, touch their heart. Yeah. You know, touch their heart. Because mm -hmm. we talked about before, there's a huge distance between here and here. Mm. We know but this is what needs to be between changed. Between the head and the heart. Yeah. yeah, between the head and the heart. Between the head and the heart, there's a huge distance. Yeah. But we know, and this is really where we need to change things. Uh -huh. I agree. My, I went for a walk um, after, it was probably a week after the, the very sad and terrible incident that happened with George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And I went for a walk with my two kids. And they told me, Dad, things will never go back the way they were. And what they meant by that was they were saying that their generation saw something and we're not going to allow it to go back. Not that it's fixed, but that, but that eyes were opened. That was their... That was their now, I want to circle back to something you talked about. Both of you mentioned dismantling. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they become very um, frightened by that, the idea of... Um, okay, is this Marxism or whatever? Mm -hmm. Can you unpack a little bit what that means, dismantling? That's a great question. Um, we're not talking about tearing down. We're not talking about breaking apart. We're not talk. We're talking about changing. Let's take, for example, um, those schools or those neighborhoods. Everyone knows what that means in America. If you're from another country, you may not, but those schools and those neighborhoods are th places that you don't want your kids to go to or that you will not go to. Those are the schools where busing comes out but doesn't go in. Mm -hmm. do, do we ever think about that? Why is it all unidirectional? So, right, right. so let's take that for example. Um, let's look at it first and then we'll look at what dismantling looks like yeah. on that. So. The schools in those areas are bad. We don't want our kids going there. Why are the schools bad? Because they don't get funding. Mm -hmm. Why aren't they getting funding? Because the tax base is low. Mm -hmm. Why is the tax base low? Because the people there don't have the income mm -hmm. to pay the taxes. Why do they have low income? Because they're kept from getting good jobs. They're kept from getting promotions, etc., etc. So it's a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. So 
How do I dismantle that? Is I change the income or the disparity of the people who live in those neighborhoods mm -hmm. to make it more equitable, not equal, but equitable mm -hmm. to everyone else. Mm -hmm. I find a way to either give them better loans so they can make, they can have better homes. Right. I find a way to make it so that they rise up in the companies and they can have sort of the mid-range incomes so that they can put that tax base into their schools so that their kids get a better education, mm -hmm. so that their kids can go to college, so that their kids, and then that circle, it goes on and on. So dismantling that really looks like breaking the cycle that is causing the negative behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. right. That is really what it means is breaking mm -hmm. the cycle. Right. Hans, um, what, make a brief comment about what it means to you. Um, that, yeah, I, in a global scale, I really, I, I agree with you, I'm John Anthony, and in a global scale is basically, if you look at it like this, um, your, your founding fathers, the forefathers, whatever you want to call it, they did the Constitution, all that stuff. They all had slaves while they were writing these things. So we were not even included in this whole procedure. Mm -hmm. So if we're not included in this procedure, how are we part of the system? We're not. So if we, um, as John Anthony says, do that and uh, we create something that brings it holistically, everyone mm -hmm. part of a system that has equality, mm -hmm. equity, and that right there will make America great, you know? That, that will be the part where America is actually great because everyone is treated equally. So what you're really talking about is not taking anything away from anybody, but it's saying let's open the doors for everybody. Correct. And let's, let's fix where, door, where doors are blocked in front of people. Absolutely. Let's remove those barriers. Absolutely. You know, um, that's not Marxism. Not even close. Not even close. Let's think, think about it this way. Um, when we design buildings, right. we design them with primarily able-bodied people at the table. Right. Right? Right. So we design them with stairways a certain way, door widths a certain way, restrooms a certain way. How can we ever design a more equitable building for people that are not as able-bodied if they're not at the table? Yeah. We don't have that lens. I don't have that, that lens of yeah. either using a wheelchair or a cane or having um, low vision or hearing, mm -hmm. right? I need that person at the table. Yeah. And the only way to change that, to dismantle that thinking is to have them at the table. And when they're at the table, then they can apply that lens. Mm -hmm. And now I know, oh, I need this a certain width, a certain height. I yeah. need these sounds or lighting, et cetera, et cetera. So we can work together to say, this is about us. Absolutely. Us as far as all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is what we need. We need it to be about us. Yeah. Not you and me. Right. Not, not you people. Yeah, not you people. Not us against them. Right. Not those people. Right. But it's about us. John Anthony, what do you believe um, people of color are asking from, for, from and want from their white coworkers, their white neighbors, their white friends, the people that attend, what, are, what do they want from them? I think it's the same thing that everyone wants. It's to be seen, to be heard and understood. It's um, when you um, seek to understand, right? It's really, be exposed to what my life is like, my experiences, and just acknowledge it. Really, just acknowledge who I am, just the same way I want to acknowledge who you are, your experiences, the things that have made you. Um, I think it really comes down to that basic of a want and a need. So you're basically saying you want, you're saying that it's, let's treat each other like human beings with empathy and with, with an open heart. Open heart, with some 
humility. Yeah. John Anthony, do you have specific suggestions for how the church can help make that happen? Well, that is such a loaded question. It was so much, <laughs> so much in there. But, you know, I think um, if the church would maybe um, do a little bit more of what Jesus did, of simply making everyone aware mm. of everyone that's out there and that we should simply love, understand, and care for everyone that's out there, um, I think that would make a huge difference. Specifically, specifically, teach and preach about bias, about um, that racism is not binary. It isn't good or bad. It's, it's like the air around us. It's the water around us. It's just where we're at. Mm -hmm. And teach what that is and show how Christ himself was an animate um, dismantler of that. Right. He was right. a major interrupter. Uh -huh. If the church would just take that to heart, I think that would make a huge difference. I think, um, I, I think in one of your previous podcasts, you talked about um, the different denominations and how the North and South even had different types of churches within, within the same denomination. Mm. Um, a little bit of history wouldn't hurt either. Right. Right? Because we have a tendency to forget. Mm -hmm. And once we forget, we, um, we repeat the same mistakes. You can't go to South Africa without them telling you about apartheid. You can't go to Rwanda without somebody telling you about the genocide. Mm -hmm. You can't go to Germany without step, having tripping stones, literally, to trip over to remind you of what was there. Mm -hmm. But we want to forget mm -hmm. um, in America. Our churches don't want to look at the past. Mm -hmm. We want to say everything is well, right. right? And then just keep on going forward. We really need to remember so that we don't repeat those same things. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. And I, I would also add to the fact that um, the church needs to realize that they played a, a huge part in this um, with uh, oppressing groups or colonizing, using Christianity as a platform to uh, oppress certain people. Um, as, as we could see, we have a, a white Jesus on the platform, right? And <laughs> those who are actually informed, we know that Jesus wasn't white, but yet we use this, this beacon of white saviors of, um, okay, this guy is gonna save us. So if the church actually agreed, that's a really good question. If the church actually take part of, wow, we did this incorrectly. Our past did this incorrectly and show what the correct, um, the correct actions or the correct characters of Christ is actually like, then we could move forward within our church. But now we, we have these um, radicals, these extremists that, that says, oh, we shouldn't mix race because it says it in the Bible, or we shouldn't do this because it's in the Bible. And that causes the division and the history of, our, of Christianity causes division and oppression. So if we take um, responsibility of what we have done, then we could move forward. I think um, lastly on that one, one of the um, things that I hear, even in the corporate world, mm -hmm. for people that I speak to that are believers and others that are non-believers, even in the corporate world, they will tell you um, if this is the way Christians and churches are segregating what do I need any part of that for? Mm. Right? They'll tell you this, and it hurts my heart to hear because that's not my Jesus. No, no. That's why us sitting together like this as white people and black people, as brothers, to me is very important because we want to send a better, a different picture Hans, I want to I ask you about something you said 
because um, I just want to make sure I understand. You talked about the... Just, just let me make sure please. that we, we mention that usually it's not just brothers, but brothers and sisters, too. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> brothers Thank and sisters. You. Mimi, is, Mimi me, is not here today. Mimi's out of town. Thank yes. you, John and... Yes. We miss you, Mimi, and yes, John, <laughs> indeed, thank you. Indeed. That was an important catch. I did not mean to do that. So I, I want to just make sure, Hans, that, that our listeners understand what you're saying and what you're not saying. Mm -hmm. And that is you talked about the church. Mm -hmm. um, what church? Are you talking about Christians in history and how they've acted, or are you talking about a specific church? Just so, just so I understand what you meant. Oh, no. Um, in, 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 in its holistic form. Um, from religion. You're talking religion, about? Religion, yeah. The, Christian, uh, the, Christ, the Christians um, back in history and yes. everything else. Like how, uh, which I stated, how um, colonization worked and how the right. church itself, the, 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 the Christian church took on that. Yeah, right. the crusades, the, the, the crusades, and, and yeah, you else. see, what I'm saying killing Muslims and so on and so forth. I'm not saying like, oh, this church down the street, no, right? Like the history of our right. church, our, so, our Christian, yeah. So are you are you talking about like like for example the way religious people would try to use the Bible to justify slavery and those kind of correct that kind of thing correct okay. and, and and as we and it's still relevant till today like when we. If you if you study or research um, the the Ku Klux Klan, right? They their their moral beliefs, or however you want to state it, their belief is we sh um, races should not mix because mm -hmm. the Bible says X Y Z, mm -hmm. and they and they've gotten that, um, and, and they kept rolling with it, and uh, in in history that's how it was pre presented out that's mm -hmm. how it's portrayed mm -hmm. so now we have these white extremist groups going on and doing these uh ridiculousness in, in the name of christianity yeah right and um that's that's today and if you watch, and if you l read history you see how history folds you see these crazy things like the, cru the crusades or how i'll, I'll just let I don't want to spoil it if you want to go read, but yeah, you, you can see how the um, Christianity was, uh, um, ha has evolved into like an extremist group back in the day for Christianities, mm -hmm. um, for Christians or Christians, however you want to call it. Yeah. You know, with, black, with this being Black History Month, um, right. we did a series at Alaska Airlines. And one of the things that came out was that um, the slave owners actually only gave the slaves who could read or anything like that only a portion of the Bible. Right. Only a portion. Because if they gave them the whole thing, they would cause rebellions because the Bible does not support right. slavery. Right. It does not support treating people badly. Mm -hmm. It does not support any of that. So they only gave them certain parts of the Bible. Because if they ever got their hand on the whole thing, if we ever read the whole thing cover to cover, right. we'd be aghast and we would throw this whole thing out the window. Exactly. And as you can see, Harriet Tubman, thank you for bringing that up. As you can see, Harriet Tubman, when she was freeing slaves, what she had in her hand was a rifle and the whole Bible. Not a part of it, but the whole entire Bible. And she was calling on God. That's where we get these spiritual songs from, wait in the water, because she would have to stay in the water to mask her scent and the slave scent so the hounds won't get them. And it's a beautiful story um, and how she... And she never used a gun. She never used a rifle at all. She would scare people like, yo, if you go back, I will shoot you. Which, and she was like a five-foot woman. Like, she's a strong woman. And she knew um, what the actual truth of the Bible was. So, yeah. That was great that you said yeah. that. And I think we need to recognize how checkered the past is and celebrate those places where people did good things and be honest about the places where our, our forebears right. have really uh, done bad things. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I was just reading a, a book on the Kelloggs the other day, mm -hmm. and one of the things we can celebrate, I think, in our community is that uh, when Adventists 
were running Battle Creek uh, way back. Mm -hmm. It was one of the major stations on the Underground Railroad. And everyone in town knew that if a slave came through Battle Creek, there was nobody who was going to interfere with the Underground Railroad getting them free. That's something we can celebrate. Mm -hmm. But I could also give a lot of examples of things where we need to hang our heads in shame as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we have to be have honest history and do both, I think. And that is so important. I think um, oftentimes we'll only look at the negative. And there are quite a bit of positives. Um, throughout history, um, every time there was suppression, there was someone and some people who helped to right to to help them to help people come up it went back and forth back and forth so there there's two sides to that even today in corporate america as you said we're we're looking towards racial equity now it is a thing um we were talking before that you know we we had these big severity errors right big big things that occurred big bad things that occurred early in the 1900s um, 1915s or so um, with the segregation, et cetera, et cetera. 60 years later, we had another big catastrophe. 60 years to the year almost, we've had another major catastrophe. Wow. But those are catastrophes that occurred. But from each of those, um, we've we stood up and we've gone to do the right thing. Um, I wish the church would step more into those and lend their voice, um, not just labor unions, not just people that are upset on their own, but as a collective, but we've all stepped up. And again, I repeat, the only thing that we've, that we've not done is put something in place to remind us of what happened and how not to do it again. So we've had three of these, okay, early 1900s, 1960, and about 2020. We don't need a fourth one. We don't need to pass this next one on to our generation, to the next generation. We, don't, we really don't need to. And if the church raises their voice, because back what John alluded to, a lot of the abolitionists who were were against slavery were people of faith. Amen. So, so there were the church was speaking up with voices of conscience, Amen. and if the church stays quiet, where's the conscience? Where where is where is the conscience saying this is not okay? I want to circle back to something we talked about um, when when people do things in the name of Christ, that do not reflect the teachings of Christ. People, some people look at it and say, well, you know, okay, if that's what Christianity is, but in a sense, those people, by differing with Jesus, they're not Christians anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if they're, if they're going against his teachings, mm -hmm. that's a very loose definition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it very much is, it very much is. In corporate America, we say lead from the top down. Yeah. You lead from the top down. If, if the leaders are leading on a certain topic or subject, if our church leaders, if the corporate leaders are really looking at their CEO, yeah. Christ, and seeing what he puts up, and then they are propagating it to their managers, to their directors, mm -hmm. and to their employees or their lay people or whomever else is in the congregation, then we can all look up and say, this is what the church stands for. This is where we need to follow. This is where we need to go. But if the people, if the church um, entity that we all look up to yeah. is not leading in that forefront, mm -hmm. is not following the strategy that their CEO has put up, right. then where are we going as, right. as a people, as a church, as a company? Right. Right, right. I mean, the only mm -hmm. time Jesus left Galilee and Judea was to go up and meet a Syrophoenician woman, not a Jewish person, Amen. and heal her daughter. Yes. He walked by foot about 60 miles up there, and, and so he, he went out of his way. Why do you think so many um, white people um, don't understand these issues and don't 
don't seem to, um, to grasp them to where they can open their hearts and care? That's a difficult one, but I think it boils down to um, exposure. Mm -hmm. right? I said it before, it's really exposure. Um, if I grew up in a space where I never see something, then it doesn't exist. It's not my reality. Right. And until, um, until you can empathize with, if my child goes jogging down the street and someone takes their life, can, how do I feel? Somebody's child, Ahmaud Aubrey, went jogging down the street and someone took his life yeah. just because he looked different. How do you think that feels? If, yeah. um, if you have to tell your child, if you see lights come behind you, this is how you need to act to make sure you come back home. How does that make you feel? Yeah. A person's re, um, experiences is their reality. And until they're willing to seek to understand, to listen and to learn about others, it just cannot be their reality. It cannot be something that they're exposed to. They can go home and shut it off. If um, I don't, I can't change the color of my skin. I can't, when I go outside, I am who I am and I have to live it all day long. Um, someone who's not a person of color, they can flip it to the office and turn everything off. They don't have to deal with it, right? right? Until we start inviting other people to dinner, that don't look like us, mm -hmm. that don't talk like us, mm -hmm. right? That don't have the same vocabulary, that maybe can speak academic English, we've heard that before, <laughs> but don't, they don't necessarily have to. Until we invite them to dinner, we will never, ever be able to see the other side of the fence, and we will never be able to accept that as a reality that we are part of, that we need to change. Wow. When you are mistreated and you have a suspicion it's about race, mm -hmm. how do you keep hatred and bitterness out of your heart? The Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. How, how because I know when I'm mistreated, I, I become resentful, I, I get angry and I have to really pray. How, how do you process so you keep your inner world, the ugliness of the world, from impacting your inner world? No, it also says um, be angry and sin not, right? Right. So I, I can be angry, but um, it has to be a righteous anger. Yeah. It cannot be a hurtful anger. Um, I also recognize that a lot of this comes out of ignorance mm -hmm. and it's i personally feel it's it's something that i need to address with love mm -hmm. kindness and understanding um because meeting ignorance with anger puts up walls fuels more anger and just propagates the issue it propagates the negativity um my faith has a lot to do with that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with that. It's really trying to live the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, people ask me, what's your leadership style? What is your lead? And it's really, it's love, loyalty to people, um, being intentional about what I do. Mm -hmm. And all that is guided by my faith more than anything else. Um, I guess that's really where, it's, where it is. It's trying to love someone no matter what and really understanding where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As, we, as we wind up, gentlemen, any last comments or questions you want to ask or add? Um, I, would, I would definitely say um, to your previous questions, why don't uh, white people see it? I, I would definitely say um, some is just ignorance, as we stated, mm -hmm. and some, mm -hmm. if it benefits you so well, would you actually want to get out your comfort zone? And that's the, that's, that's the true matter of it. Like, equity is key, mm -hmm. but 
if you have so much, it's like the, the rich, the young ruler, right? When Jesus is like, yo, sell all your things and follow me. This man had so much. And I'm pretty sure this man, this young man worked extremely hard for what he had. Mm-hmm. Um, are, you, are you comfortable enough to just be like, well, I do have this, but let me help other people to also get this. I mm-hmm. might lose I, I might lose certain things um, in the process, but the most important is to help other people. As, as we stated before, we don't need a white savior. White allies are the best thing America needs or black people need because Amen. if we want to make this country great, this is how we do it, right? Mm-hmm. Keep a system, um, as, as we stated, that's, that doesn't work for us dismantle it and make it for all of us you know and mm-hmm. that's all i have to say happy black history month everyone <laughs> <laughs> just want to say thank you to john anthony really appreciate you being here today amen thank you this was a blessing this was a blessing so um the the, the bible verse that is kind of the motto for our podcast is make room for us in your hearts and you've actually shared a lot of ways to do that um how we can make room in our hearts for each other and how we can live as a, as a community and how, like you said, a, a, how Christ would want us to live and in, in following him. Thank you for being with us today. And as Hans said, it's Black History Month. And so um, a good way to celebrate that would be to listen to some podcasts. Um, I know that that Netflix has a lot of good documentaries and to just grow in your understanding and make room in your hearts for other people. And let's be part of building a bridge so that our communities and our churches and our workplaces mm-hmm. can be places that ref- ref- reflect equity and justice mm-hmm. and the love of Christ. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you next time. God bless. You're awesome.